Praise God. You just laid it on kind of thick there, Pastor. <laughs> Look, I'm excited about being here. I'm honored about being here. I don't want to hold up your time. I'm going to pray over you, and we're going to get started, and then y'all going to go home. Is that fine? Yeah. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I, I bless you right now for these individuals. I thank you for, for this evening. I pray that you allow for me to do what I cannot do in my own flesh, and that's to preach your perfect word. Holy Spirit, if you do not endow me with such an ability to be able to minister to these people, then every word that flows forth from my mouth is just born of flesh. But I thank you that here tonight we touch your throne, that your anointing, that it flows, and it flows deep. It flows from the crown all the way down to the feet. And I thank you, God, that if there are any voices, any people, any hearts on the sound of my voice who are, that is hardened right now, I pray, God, that you will thaw it. That is every word that comes forth from my mouth is as a seed that is sown. And I pray that it lands upon good ground. Satan, we rebuke you right now. You will not steal any seed in this house. And God, I pray right now that as I plant this seed, that you shall send other laborers along their path to water it. And you'll receive the increase from it all. We bless you in all these things. We glorify you through and by the name of Jesus, we pray. And all is in agreement said? Amen. 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 Y'all can sit down. I, um, I'm, I'm very excited about being here. Thank you so much. I love y'all. I like y'all are family now, so I don't, I don't feel like I'm visiting anymore. I feel like I'm at home, so I'm going to make myself at home. Is that all right? Well, my wife and I, we pastor a, a, a church up in, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, we, have, um, we have three beautiful kids. I have a six-year-old son who looks just like me and acts just like me. I have, a, I have a three-year-old daughter who looks just like my wife, and I'm not sure who she acts like. <laughs> and then we have a nine-month-old uh, son, and he looks just like my wife, and the verdict's still out on who he acts like, too. Uh, but, but my wife wishes she could be here, but she can't, so she sends her love, which is me. <laughs> so you have to tolerate me until she gets a chance to come back, because she's definitely the better part of us. I believe that. And I love her with all my heart. She's actually doing our first Wednesday back in Atlanta uh, tonight. So, um, and then she gets on a plane tomorrow morning and she flies out to go preach. And then she comes right back. And it's just, she's, a, she's an amazing woman. So I'm excited about being here. But I'm, I want to I jump into this. If, you, if you're taking notes, um, you can call this the pruning process. I don't know, four difficulties of the believer. I don't know what you ever want to call it. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But I, 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 was, uh, I was praying Pastor Jim asked me what, what, what was I leaning towards and what was God putting on my heart. And I believe that I had a message because that was the one that I was studying. I've been in it for a while on spiritual authority. Uh, but but um, how many of you know that just because that's what you've been doing, that ain't what God wants you to do? So I'm going to pivot here tonight and go with what I believe he's telling me to do. I want to read John 15, John chapter 15, John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Uh, probably some of the, they, these are probably my, my some of my most favorite verses of the Bible. Um, and I love them because they, Jesus jam-packed so much for, I believe, the disciples' life and how we should live and how we should govern ourselves. So I want to read through this, and I'm going to go through some of this stuff. Now, uh, John 15, verse 1, it says, I am the real vine, and my father is the farmer. Now, I'm going to stop here, and I'm one of those guys, I read scriptures, and I stop. I hope that's okay. So he says that I'm the real vine and my father is the real farmer. Now, here's the thing. If he has to say that he is the real vine or the true vine, that must mean there is a false one. So notice that in, in Scripture, 
Jesus makes it clear that you will, that there will always be a true one and that there will always be an imitation. But you have to follow the true vine. You got to be connected to the true source. Now, if there is to be a true source, then there will also be a false source. So there is another place that you can get connected to, and, that could, and, and your connectivity will then produce a certain power that you want to have. And oftentimes we see it in our actions. That's how we see it. Now, this is the truth, whether or not you believe it or not. It's just it's the truth. W- when's your birthday? May 16th. I don't believe you. You have something to prove May 16th is your birthday? You have, a, you have an idea? Can I see it? I want to say, I don't believe it's your birthday. I, don't, I believe it. <laughs> Pastor even confirmed it. Let me look at this. Yeah, this is, this is May 16th. I still don't believe you. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Did my unbelief in what you said and what you showed me, did it, did it change the truth? No. It's still the truth whether or not I said I believed it or not, right? I don't ever argue with people over truth because truth by itself is controversial. So when I talk to people and they try to argue with me about whether or not Jesus Christ is the true vine, then I don't argue with them through intellectualism. Because when you come to learn of Christ through your intellectualism, then you'll always have to try to prove him through theory and fact. Christ, Christ was not somebody who I learned about in my intellect. He was someone who I encountered through, through, through a, it was, it was a, it was a connection. It was an encounter I had with him. And the encounter you have with him is what changes you. And, and so you don't ever argue with people who, who, who are saying, well, I don't know if he is true. I don't know if he's not true. He's true whether or not you believe it or not. Amen. But he says here, I'm the real vine and my father is the farmer. This is the part I love. He cuts off every branch of me that doesn't bear grapes. And every branch that is great bearing, he prunes back so it will bear even more. Yeah. Say this after me. Say suffering. suffering. We're going to talk about suffering. Yeah. Not only that. It goes further. It says, you are already pruned back by the message I have spoken. Verse 4. Live in me. Make your home in me just as I do in you. In the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only by being joined to the vine, you can't bear fruit unless you are joined with me. Everybody say relationship. That ain't it. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. I love how he says that. He says, let's get this relationship right just just in case that you don't get it confused. I'm the vine, you're the branches. You're connected to me, not the other way around. But since you're connected with me, you have the power that is associated with me. Better let me say it like this. I didn't come out of you. You came out of me. So you can't have control over you when you say that I have control over you. That when Jesus Christ becomes your Savior, that you have already recognized that he has saved you from damnation. But there's another step that goes along with that. It's not enough for me to just say he is my Savior without, without then going forth and confessing that he's my Lord. Now, when he becomes my Lord, that means that I now dethrone myself from being Lord over my own life, and he now takes over. 
So practically speaking, that means that I take my will, my dreams, my hopes, that I have of my own selfish fleshly desires, and I nail them to the cross of Calvary. And then he now becomes my Lord. It no lo- it's, no longer, it is, it's no longer my will be done, but it's your will be done in me. When you're joined with me and I with you and the, re- and the relation and, and, and the relation intimate, and it says, it says with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Say connectivity. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home with you, you can be sure that whatever you ask, you will be listened to and acted upon. Say promise. He says, this is how my father shows who he is. I love that right there. This is how my father shows who he is. Why? It's as if the scripture is saying here, he's going to show who he is through you because you're connected. As if he's saying he's putting himself on the line. He's going to show himself strong because of his connectivity. He goes forth, and it says, when you produce grapes, when you mature as the disciples. Now, you're, 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 producing, you're, you're producing the grapes, but you have to understand that the production of the grapes comes because you're connected to the power. So I want to talk about these four things we mentioned. I want to talk about the suffering. I want to talk about the relationship. I want to talk about the connectivity. And then, and then I want to I I talk about the promise. Now, when, 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 I, when I came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, and I, I came to the faith, you know, I, I probably came the way that nobody else probably should have came. I, I, I just wanted to just go search through the Bible. I, just, I, just, I, had, I had to just go search it to try to find some answers for myself because I was, I was trying to figure some stuff out. And um, as I'm going through the scriptures, I, I started to see all this stuff on suffering. And then I would listen to people that would say, you know, when you come to Jesus Christ, things are going to be great for you and everything's going to be so happy and, and, and life is just going to be great. And, and you know what? A part of that is so true. You're going you're to find joy unspeakable. Joy unspeakable. Just, just you, you're joyful. Joy doesn't, come, joy doesn't come from how you feel. Joy comes from what you know. So I can be in, I can, I can feel like I'm just in a mess, but Joy comes because of what I know. It comes because of who I know. Because I become, it comes because of who I know I'm with. So when I, when I came to him and, and, and I, had to, I had to reposition my mind, I had to retrain my mind to understand that suffering is a part of the faith that I claim I believe. That I have to be willing to suffer through some things. And many of you who are sitting here right now, you're looking at me and, and maybe in part of your lives that you are, you're, you're suffering through some things. And you don't even realize that, that the suffering that you're going through right now, that that suffering is a part of your process. Oftentimes, we, and we got to be very careful of this in our generation, generation after, and generations above. We got to be very cautious of this. And that's, we have to stop trying to abort a process where God is trying to push something through. Because we get into a place of suffering, and then we try to kill something that God says, no, I'm trying to birth something through it. If, 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 when my wife, when she was pregnant with the kids, she had different things that happened. I mean, she had carpal tunnel things. I mean, her hip was hurting and she had all this stuff that was going on. She was going through suffering. But the one question that she had to continue to ask herself is, is the glory worth the suffering? Every, for every child she had, 
when she saw the child, when, when, when one of when our children were taken out and she saw him, the suffering that she went through, that she endured, was all worth the process of what she was able to experience. And we have to be able to, is living, is living, is living with the end in mind, that the suffering that I'm in right now is worth it. It is worth it. It's worth the glory that's to come. And I can suffer through some things, and I can go through some things. I don't have to quit. I don't have to give up. For some reason, we as believers, we got to come to this point of, of, of stop believing that everything has to be comfortable. Suffer through some stuff. Be willing to fight forever. Be willing to stand for something. Be willing to stand for your family. Stand for your community. Suffer through some stuff. Put yourself on the line. <laughs> and I, I tell you something, if you, if you stay on this road with the Lord, you don't even have to try to push yourself into suffering because it's going gonna, it's gonna to come to you. It comes to you. It comes to you. But in this process, it's death to your flesh. Because that's what needs to die. That's what needs to die. And so many of us, we're trying to, we're trying to do this God thing while we're still living. And you want, you're praying and saying, God, I want your will, but you're not willing to give up yours. And, and, and you have to come to a point where this becomes more than just, than just a make-believe story to you. And if you're going to really believe it, then you're going to have to suffer through some stuff. And I'm talking about, when I talk about suffer through some stuff, I'm talking about suffer through some people who are talking about you because you're choosing to live by faith and live with what God's saying to you and living with the Word of God in you. Be willing to truly stand for something. I can't, they'll come to church and they'll say, you know, Pastor, how do I live for God on my college campus? The same way you live for God when you sit in the church house. You have standards, you have values, and you stick with them. Because if your friends can influence you to go against God, then that tells me one thing. They're not your friends, they're your idols. Peer pressure is a beautiful worldly word for idolatry. Peer pressure is just idolatry. That means that your friends have more influence over you than God. So if your friends can get you to stay at home to watch a football game, instead of being in the house of God, that lets me know who your God is. But Pastor, you understand I'm tired. Everybody's tired. I went to work all week. We all went to work all week. This is the place you come to get some joy. This is the place you come to get filled up. This is it. But I'm depressed. This is the place where you come. But I feel sick. Well, come and pray for healing. Believe God. Believe he can still fall. Believe his anointing can still hit your house. Well, my husband ain't on board. Well, you come by yourself. Well, my kids are going wayward. Well, come here and pray with somebody. This is the place. Suffer through something. Pastor, you understand how my marriage is. Can you suffer through it? I'm not even talking about difficult stuff. I'm not even talking about you beating on each other. Nowadays, people quit their marriages over the smallest things. We don't agree on how we do the finances. You've been married for two months. <laughs> First two years of our marriage, my wife and I probably told her every other day I wanted to get a divorce. I did. 
We were, we were arguing with each other, and, and it was just, it was, it was tough. And, and you know, I just, we, had to, we had to keep in front of us. We had, a, we had a vision statement. We have a family vision statement, and we got it, and we were recording. And we put that family vision statement on the board, on, on, on our wall. And some days I had to go to it, and I had to just stare at it. And I had to keep looking at it, and I had to say, okay, God, we got to suffer through something, and we got to go through this. Because just because I'm in a season of suffering doesn't mean it's going to always last. And I know you're pruning something in me. I know it's a process I need to go through to be better, because my wife is showing me who I am, and I don't want to see it. Because suffering exposes my flesh. It exposes my weaknesses. Well, you don't understand, my job is hard. That's the one that you prayed for. But you don't know how my boss is. Your boss, if you, if you change your perspective, your boss can be the tool who causes you to mature. But you're letting your boss be the you're letting your boss be the person who causes you to quit. That's the reason why if you look back at all of your life, the 40 years you've been living, you quit everything that got hard. And you're trying to wonder why you can't get to the next step. Because the last 10 times God tried to get you to go through the process, you kept aborting it. Suffer through something. Paul said, Paul said, I received lashes. I've been snake bitten. I've been shipwrecked. What have we done? Talked about by two people? Nowadays, suffering is that somebody talked about us on Facebook. Get it together. Grow a backbone. Stand for something. <laughs> Suffer through something. I, you know, I, people, people come to the Lord, and you know, I, I believe that we all hear different messages and we hear sermons. I would, hear, I would hear sermons and people would get up there and they would say, if only you'd have a relationship with God. And I think to myself, that don't mean nothing to me because I can't get my own relationships right. But when I would hear sermons about, you know what? God is calling us into battle. He's calling us into war. As a man, that spoke to me. And when I, it, 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 I wanted to put down my pen and pick up my sword. Give me the sword of the spirit. How do I fight with this thing? Show me something that I can kill. Show me something I can run with. Bring me back to the passion I had as a boy. Send me on an adventure of faith. And some of you are so stuck because you're too afraid to suffer through something. That's why your family's stuck because you're afraid to suffer through something. A season of suffering. Or maybe you've been in a season of suffering, but you just refuse to grow. So you've learned... Instead of growing, instead of growing and getting stronger so you can actually climb up out of the valley, you brought a mattress down, you blew it up, and you just built a house there. And now everybody has to join your pity party on how bad life is when all you got to do is just finally suck up the pride that you have and look at the person you sleep next to every night and say, you know what, I do need to change. Suffering. Suffering. This is, one of the, this is one of the most difficult things for us believers to understand, that we have to suffer, suffer through some things. We've got to sacrifice through some things. Some of you are building things now, and you, you may seem like it's really hard for you to build those businesses, build that stuff that God told you to build. But could you, could you, could you think about, is the glory worth the suffering? Don't, 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 don't think about the hardship you have to go through now. Could you think about the children's children who are able to benefit what you had because you kept going? Think about the legacy you're building. The second one, relationship. 
relationship. Now, <clears throat> relationship is really nothing more than just a commonality between two parties. Commonality between two parties. That's, that's, that's a, just a relationship. We, we're, we're, we're relating one with another. That's it. I'm relating one with another. Relationship is one of the, is one of the most important, it's one of the, mo- it's one of the most popular messages that people want to hear. People want to hear about relationships because we can't get our relationships right. Isn't it something that social media, technology, is supposed to bring us closer together, which in actuality is tearing us further apart? We have less physical touches with each other because we call connection and we call touch a text, which it can be. But we have replaced, we, we replace physical conversation at a table, which is talking to somebody or sitting at the table. And we use our phones instead of connecting. We don't, we, don't, we don't really have relationship anymore. We're losing relationship. You know, people actually think that we're friends just because we, we're friends on Facebook. I look at people and say, we ain't friends. I don't know you. <laughs> That's the name they gave us. You chose to follow me. I don't know who you are. If you're blessing, I believe it. I believe you can be a child of God. If you, I don't know. I don't know who you are. But we're, we're losing relationship. Losing relationship. Now, now in, 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 in relationship with this, I want you to ask yourself a question. You know, am, am I truly in relationship with Christ? Which means, do I really relate with him? Is Christ-likeness something that I truly seek for myself? Am I really in relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it, is it real for me? See, when I got saved, I, I remember telling God in the very beginning, God, I don't, I don't, I no longer want to serve my grandmother's God. I don't want to serve my mama's God. See, because I was drugged to church when I was a kid. I had to go. And some of us are still telling ourselves that I have to go. And I needed to know God for myself. No offense against my mama, no, no offense against, against she, she serves the same God who I serve today. But my point is here is that God wasn't real for me. And in the relationship, I had to learn to be relational with him. Therefore, I didn't need a pastor or somebody else to tell me to read my Bible because I knew that if I'm in relationship, that we have to communicate. Because if I don't communicate with the one who I'm in relationship with, then there there won't be any intimacy. Intimacy doesn't, man, baby, girl, let me tell you something. Intimacy don't happen when you get to the bedroom. That ain't, that, that, ain't, that ain't real intimacy. That's, sex is probably one of the lowest forms of intimacy. Anybody, anybody can, rub, can rub a body against another one. You didn't have to have common sense to do that. You don't. You really don't. You just, you don't. But you want to know a difficult thing? Being able to open up your heart and being able to communicate. Having true intimacy where you let somebody in to see who you are. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That God judges the heart of the man. I wonder why the scripture, God, God, he judges the heart of the man because it's, 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 where, it's where his intimate place is. Prayer, prayer is a, prayer, prayer is a, it is, it is a method of intimacy. Talk to me, child. As a father, I want my kids, how was your day? Talk to me. Tell me you love me. Tell me you want me. Tell me you need me. Talk to me. Be intimate with me. I know you're hurting. I can see it. Who are you hiding it from? 
You're depressed. You've been depressed for the past 10 years. Okay, baby girl, you've tried every medicine you could. Could you finally taste of me and see that I'm better than that? Could you finally taste of me and see? Okay, Michelob didn't help. Uh, Miller Lite didn't help. Ice House didn't help. Budweiser didn't help. Jimmy Bean didn't help. I think, I think that's sausage. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jack Daniels, you tell I, I wasn't I wasn't a big drinker. I don't know. Jack Daniels, all none of them, none of them helped. <laughs> Jimmy, he was he was saucy. They didn't. None of those things helped. But let me tell you something. Can you truly taste and see of his goodness? And knowing the relationship you have with him, it is it is powerful. It's powerful. And isn't it something that oftentimes we try to end a relationship? Because of a season of suffering? Well, Pastor, I'm going to leave the church. Why? Because you're offended over... (sighs) You prayed for it. You know, I'm going to quit my job. Why? Because I just, I I don't know, I just, I I feel like they don't like me anymore. You're going to cut off a relationship that you prayed for, that God said, you, you prayed, you prayed and you asked God, you told that you told everybody you were praying for it, then you got it, then after you got it, you got uncomfortable, and now for some reason you feel like God's not in it, which in actuality, it could be more of God that you're uncomfortable than anything else, because it's in your discomfort that you grow. And it's a process. It's a pruning process. It's a pruning process. Because I'm saying that your weakness is that you're impatient. So don't run from it. Grow in it. I'm seeing, in, in your, I'm seeing that your weakness is that you're just not loving. So you know what? Elevate your love. I, I, I had to, I had a, uh, my pastor, I, I was talking to him about, you know, something that was going on. And, and he said, you know what, Cornelius? He said, you need to learn how, you need to elevate your love. And get to a place in your life where, where your love for them is higher than the hate they have for you. He said, do you know something they like? See, I know something they like. He said, send it to them. You feel like they need it? I said, yeah, I know they need it. He said, send it to them. Love on them. Keep loving on them. Because I knew where my weakness was. And you're never going to grow to your fullest capacity if you keep ending the relationships just because you're in a season of suffering. The, the third one is connectivity. Yo, I can be in a relationship and not be connected. Married folk know what that means. Y'all know what that means. You can be in a relationship and not connect. Relationship requires that I define it. Connectivity requires that I connect in it. Are we friends? Yes or no? We are. This means that our communication has to be in sync so that we're connecting in such a way that we we are talking. Connectivity requires intercourse, which means we merge as one. When I talk about intercourse, I'm not talking about sex. 
I'm, I'm talking about it requires, it requires a conjoining, that we're all coming together as one. It is something that we're connecting. It requires touch. And when, we, when we're talking about your Christian journey and your faith that you have, I'm telling you, it's going to require for you to get in the midst of what God is doing. This is truly seeking him and connecting with him. How deep have you connected with God? Have you connected with him to such a point where... You don't have to go to your closet just to hear his voice. Now, I did not say that you don't have to have your secret place in your closet. You build your threshing floor. But just make sure that the only place that you make sure that that's not the only place where you hear him. If he's your friend and goes with you. The Holy Spirit is there with you. That means that you should be able to talk to him whether or not you're driving down the, whether or not you're driving down the street. When you're sitting in traffic, you should be able to sit down with him. That should, I'm, sometimes in Atlanta traffic, Atlanta traffic can be crazy. About like Houston's, I'm driving, and sometimes I have to remember. I'm sitting in traffic. I'm just sitting there, and I, I, I have to practice the Holy Spirit. It's like he's just sitting right there in the passenger seat with me. And I have to look, and, and you know, sometimes somebody will try to cut me off, and I want to look, and I'll be like, Holy Spirit, hold on one second. I got to tell this. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> but I got to remember, I got to stay connected with this. I don't want to grieve you because you're here. Same way I don't want to grieve my friends because, because they're with me. Connectivity. I really want you to ask yourself a, a, an intimate, personal question. Am I connected? And even, even with the church, am I connected? Not do you attend, but am I connected? Am I connected? I had somebody that looked at me and they said, you know, I'm a member of the church. I said, I've never seen you. Well, I filled out the form. Well, I know a lot of people who, who they got memberships at gyms, but they still ain't. <laughs> Are you connected? Well, I feel alone by myself. That's because you're not connected. You weren't made to be in isolation. Connect. Have that, have that community of believers you can get involved with. Be, make sure you're in the small groups. That's the reason why they have Next Steps here at Anchor Bend. Because when you're in Next Steps, Next Steps connects you. It connect, it's a purpose there to connect you. Let's get connected. Get connected. Serve. Grow. That's it. Get connected. You know what? You, you want to get so bold. If you really want to be bold, you know what, God? I'm going to serve. Bring it on. Bring on the test. And then wait till the time when you get offended. And say, okay, I'm going to grow through this. Wait until you get into the position where now you're having to, you have to fulfill an assignment that you feel is outside of your gifts, your talents, and your skills. You feel like you're doing something that's beneath you, but what God is doing is trying to prune you because you got pride in an area and you need to humble yourself under his mighty hand so in due season, he may exalt you. Because unfortunately, the gift of the, 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 the talent of song, it went from your mouth and went from your heart and it went to your head. And now you got a swollen head because all you can think about is, your, it is the talent that you have. And you better believe that the enemy wants to use that talent just as much as God knows he needs it. I, I'm, I don't put on God that God needs it. But in a sense, that what, what God is wanting to really do with it so he can really bless people with it. 
I've had people who go out, they'll leave the church, and they'll say, you know, well, Pastor, I want to, I want to use the voice I have. To, I want to be able to reach people, and I want to go into the marketplace, and I want to do what God's called me to do. And ain't nothing wrong with that. I believe we need people in the marketplace. But when the marketplace destroys your connectivity, because now you're in the marketplace, and now you're traveling and you're singing, but I don't see you back at church anymore. What happened? Well, you're still my pastor. No, I'm not. I don't see you anymore. You're not even at church. Well, you know, I had, I had a gig. I don't care about your gig. Service starts at 11 o'clock. And one guy came up, he said, you know, Pastor, you know, do you have a VIP section? You know, I'd rather sit in the back because I got a lot of fans. I don't care about your fans. You can sit right out here. We got, we got a seat on the third row in the middle. Oh, you ain't, got, you ain't got no special VIP section? No, I don't. Because the Bible tells me not to do that. I'm not going to show treatment for you. I love you. But I don't care nothing about your fans. Sit down. <laughs> and then keep coming back. Hey, Pastor, what do you think? I, what, what, you know, I know I got my giftings. I went the next steps. I got my gifts and everything. But, you know, what, what do you think a good place for me to serve? I tell everybody, parking lot. Parking lot. Oh, I don't think I want to do parking lot. Well, you shouldn't ask me. <laughs> I want you to serve in the parking lot. And I pray the first Sunday you serve, it rains. <laughs> Serious. Well, why would you say that, Pastor? Because I know where you're weak. And I know where your pride is. And can you swallow it with all your followers and you stand in the, can you, can you stand in the parking lot and help park cars? Can you move cones? Can you move chairs? Pastor, I believe I'm called to ministry. I'm called to serve. I'm called to preach. <laughs> Child, you ain't got no power. <laughs> Call yourself a Christian, but we're unsure of your connectivity. Your connection should have power. If my phone is dead, I have to connect it in order to get the power. My, my son came to me and my son said, uh, he said, Dad, he said, Dad, you know, I, I got my, my, my phone, my phone's dead and uh, I want to get it, I want to get it powered up. So I told him to get the cord and he, he plugged his phone into the thing and, and he, he's sitting there and he's holding it, waiting. <laughs> and he looked, he said, Dad, how much? And I said, it's 5%. He's he said, Dad, why won't it go any faster? And I said, well, what, do you, what do you want from it? He looked at me. He said, uh, I, want, I want a faster connection. And you know, we, we read up here in, in the scripture where it says that whatever you, whatever you pray for, and not get into the last one, a promise, that when you say, when you're connected, that whatever you shall ask, that he will provide it. He'll do it, right? When you get to a point in your, in your, in your maturity, then you'll realize that, that, that the promise and what you ask for becomes less about things. And it becomes more about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. My son asked me, he said, he said, he said Dad, I, I would like to have something with more power. He didn't ask for another phone. And sometimes we get captivated and caught up in the stuff. When God's saying, no, you, you, don't, you don't need the stuff, baby boy. You need the power. Ask yourself the question, have you sat with God long enough to get the power that you know you're supposed to have with him? Have you? 
I have people come to me and say, Pastor, I want God to speak to me. How long should I, how long should I stay on my face? My answer is clear. Stay there as ever long as it takes for him to speak to you. Well, how long is that? I don't know. If it takes all day, isn't it worth it? Cancel your plans. You're going to the movies anyway. It's three hours long. You ain't got three hours. Here, no, listen to what I'm saying to you. This is serious stuff. We ask questions for answers that we don't want. Because it goes against our flesh. I'm telling you, persecution is going to turn the house of God. It's going to really show it. It's going to split down the goats and the sheep. I'm trying to tell you, the people who do not hear from God, the people who are not connected to the power, I'm telling you, when they put bullets, when they they put guns to heads, this is in other countries, in China, right now they've shut down churches, shooting pastors just for bringing people in to talk about Jesus. This is happening right now in 2019, and for some reason, we shut off our television. We shut off our radios. We hear about these things. We have become so desensitized to all the things that are happening in the world that now we hear about somebody getting shot right across the street, and it does nothing to us. We're not connected to God. I don't believe we have have to to get his empathy, to get his heart for people, to get his heart for things. We've gotten so captivated in a message on racism that we forget that racism is but a blot, is is but a stain on a large quilt of sin. We have a lot to deal with. I can't fight you because I need to fight with you. Because if we're not connected, if we're not in the same flock, if we're not doing this together, then the enemy will have easy pickings with us. This is serious business. We sit down and we fold our arms. We don't tell our children anymore about the return of Jesus Christ. Do we still even have our altar time with our kids? Are we teaching them the word of God? And a parent came to me and said, Pastor, I wish you would do something. I wish you and other pastors would do something in Atlanta, in Georgia, so that they can reinstitute prayer in schools. My biggest issue is not prayer being in the school. My biggest issue is in prayer in your house. Because if prayer is in your house, then I know prayer is in your kid. And no matter what your, no matter what school your kid goes to, that kid can stand up and start speaking in another language. I'm trying to tell you. The promise we're after is not stuff. You get to a point, man, where you get connected, you get in true relationship. You understand the concept of suffering. And you, when you pray and when you ask God and when you understand his promise is that he will provide it, then you say, God, what I want is your power. And what we need to do is recommit ourselves to that Holy Ghost fire, that Holy Ghost passion. The passion that will turn our world upside down. You know, it took a few men. Jesus Christ took a few men and he turned the whole world upside down with them. We don't need many people. We don't, need, we don't need millions of preachers. We don't need a million man march. We don't need a 10 million man march. We need a hundred million man march. If we can just have a few. 
If they come, if they all come out of Anchor Bend, then God bless the place. I'm telling you, we need some people who will rise up. Who will rise up in righteous authority. And say, no, my Jesus Christ is the true Savior, the true Lord. And I can't go to my grave knowing that there are still hurting, dying people out there. If the only message of the gospel that you have ever heard ended with the cross, then you didn't hear the full thing. Yes, he died, but he rose again. But that wasn't the end. And then he went to his disciples. And he said, now I have given you power. Now go out in the world. Go in the world. We tried to turn discipleship into a class. But if you've seen him, if you've encountered him, then I got to tell you to share him. Because if it's good news, you won't hold it to yourself. If you'll tell everybody about your pregnancy, if you'll tell everybody about you getting into the college, if you tell everybody about your marriage, if it's good news, I don't have to beg you to share it. I, uh, I believe in God moments. I believe this is one. I believe it may not be for everybody in here. I believe it may be for a few people, but I believe in God moments. I think for some of you, it's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call to stop crossing your arms and really get serious. If your family's in a pit right now, then you all get together. You pray that thing out. Anoint your house with oil. I don't care what the world says. Anoint your house with oil. People came to me and they said, you know, Pastor... People have started burning, doing crystals and burning uh, sage and stuff in the house. I said, what are you burning sage for? So said, getting the demons out. I said, well, I hope you open up the windows and the doors, because if not, they're probably just running around the house now. <laughs> I, I, feel like it's, I feel like it's just getting late, and it's serious at this point. You don't realize it, man. The world's so dark around us. There was just another shooting down at a university. And you know, nowadays we hear about it and we say, oh, it was another one. It was another one. My issue wasn't so much with the guns as much as it was the fact that I, 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 I think about the person and the people who died. And my question, my wife's and our question is, did anybody encounter them? Something as simple, very practical stuff like, could you go talk to your next door neighbor? person who lives right next door to you in your apartment, could you go talk to them? The person you walk by in the mall, could you talk to them? I'm talking about God moments. I've had many God moments. This time where I felt like I was, I, I, I should, yeah, I just, I almost just didn't go because I, places where I almost didn't go because my circumstances, I judged my circumstances and I looked at my circumstances more than I looked at my faith. God, I didn't feel like I had the money for it. I almost didn't give because I looked at my circumstances. 
And in my courtroom of life, I took my circumstances up to God and I said, God, here's the circumstances. Here's my bank account. Here's what I have here. Here are my bills. Here's my debt. Here's all the reasons why I can't do it. God would just come back to me and he said, you know, the problem is, son, is that you've elevated your circumstances above your faith. Don't you know, boy, it's only by faith that you please me? I don't care about your circumstances. Those circumstances could change overnight. So for some of you in here, you, this is a God moment. <clears throat> and and, and, and it's, it's time for you to get that relationship right. It's time for you to get that relationship right. For some of you, you if you were to die right now, you don't know whether or not you would inherit heaven or hell. You just don't know. You've been, you've been going back and forth and back and forth. You just don't know. Some of you in here right now, you don't know where your relationship with God is. Maybe you heard about him when you were growing up. Maybe you sat in a couple of church services like I did. You know, I went to an old Baptist church. I was born and raised in Newton, Mississippi, a little bit small town. Preacher got up there and he would talk about stories and I couldn't, I could never get them right. I thought it was Shadrach, Meshach, and a billy goat. I did. I did. I thought they went into the fire to go cook the goat. It'd be some good eating when they get finished. That's what I thought. I, I didn't know. But I had to learn real quick through my relationship, through my journey, my relationship with God. That I can define my relationship with him and I can say, God, I am yours, you are mine. But now I have to fight to stay connected. I sense right now some marriage is going through some stuff. It's a fight to stay connected. It's a fight to communicate with each other. It's a fight to communicate when the kids are all over the place and you both are going everywhere and you're not having sex like you used to and you're not having the fun like you used to and you're not being able to travel and go on vacations like you used to and the bills are piling up and things are happening. It's a fight to stay connected. And we sit in here and we come in here and we wear our makeup. We put on our nice faces and we try to cover up all the pain we have. And you go back home and you live in your hell. And for some, at some point, you got to say to yourself, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. That's why this is a God moment for some of you. Some of you have been praying and you've been asking God. You've been saying to God, God, I believe you've called me to something bigger than what I'm living in right now. You called me to a you called me to such a ministry that I know that you put on the inside of me and I can no longer stay silent. It's a God moment. I've had these moments. I've had these moments. I've had these moments. <clears throat> 